Today, I want to talk to you about how to enter into the presence of the Lord. I have just had the most wonderful time with God today. And I just want to tell you how to enter into the presence of God. Simple. So, Father, we come. We come in the sweetest, dearest name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray you'll show your people today the simplicity and the beauty of finding you and your wonderful presence in our life, in our hearts. We give you the praise. Well, I wanted to share this with your friends. I usually say my hellos, you know, on days like today. Let's get into the Word and let's look at Psalm 42. Verse one through six. I wanna, I wanna show you what I did this morning. But I wanna show it to you from the word, you know. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Yeah, you're hearing some beautiful worship in the background, but that's just to help us all. Just focus on the Lord today. My soul thirsteth for God. For the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He asks. Because that's our desire, all of us. My tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? The enemies are saying to David, You're wasting your time. He's not going to show up. Why are you praying and waiting? And then he says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise. With a multitude that kept holiday. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm attending church. I'm going with the people of God to the house of God. Even though I can't find him yet. I go to the house of God with the multitudes. I'm even praising with the multitude. But he had a problem. Verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? It's possible to be with the crowds in church, and yet your soul is cast down. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar, which always symbolizes the presence of God, by the way, Mount Hermon. And then it says, Deep calls unto deep. Calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. So he learned the secret here. That the only way you're going to find the presence of God. Not with the crowds. When you're by yourself. When you're alone with the Lord himself. Because he said I went with the crowd. You know I'm hungry for God. I can't find him. I went with the crowd to find him. I'm still cast down. And then he says, now my depth began calling out. My depth, deep 
calleth unto thee. And at that moment, things began to change. So, to come into the presence of God, we have to find our quietness first. How do we find that? Well, I believe the Word of God is the instrument of quietness. When you get into the Word and you just focus on the Word, like I did today. I'm reading the book of Romans. Oh, what a blessed book. What a blessed book. Yesterday I read from chapter 1 to about chapter 9. Today I went from chapter 9 to the last of the, of the book, chapter 16. And I, as I'm reading, that blessed calmness filled my soul. That's what Jean Guyon used to do years ago, a mighty woman of God. She would just let the word kind of bring her into that quiet place. And then things begin to change. Because this is when the flesh really gives up. You know, it says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know I'm God. I think the quickest way to be still is through the Word. I don't think we can be still just, you know, being quiet. Quietness is spiritual. Quietness is not something you do mentally or physically. That's not real quietness. Do you remember when Elijah came to Horeb and he was in the cave? And he came to a place where surely you can be quiet, quite naturally. I mean, there's no one there in the desert. But even there, he could not find quietness. And do you recall that he even missed God? Because he thought God came in the earthquake, you know. God came in the fire and so on and so on, and the winds. But God wasn't there. Sometimes we're always looking for something in the natural. And it doesn't happen. And these things are all natural, whether it's a fire or the wind or the earthquake. They're all natural things. But then he came to that place where God was. And he was quiet enough that when God came, he didn't come in the earthquake and the fire and the wind. He came in that still, small voice that speaks to the heart rather than to the mind. And I think what we think of quietness, when we think of quietness, we're thinking of mental quietness. No, mental quietness is not spiritual. Anyone can be quiet mentally and yet be involved in the demonic and in the world. It's a lot of quietness taught out there. Think about people who do things that are demonic out there. Or people that do yoga and whatever they do. Well... That's mental. That's all mental. There's nothing godly about it. Nothing of God in it. It may calm the mind, but that's about it. In some cases, it may open up the mind to the demonic, in fact. But the Word of God, that's our key, you know. God's Word produces quietness that is holy and precious. And then when that quietness is produced, the flesh submits immediately 
And so when the flesh gives up, you know, here's what it says, of course, we all know it, but let me read it. Be still and know I'm God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. It's amazing, you know, I'm reading this and I'm listening to sweep over my soul. My rest is complete when I sit at his feet. I didn't realize I'd be playing that song while I'm talking about this. How precious. Sweep over my soul, Lord. How? The Word. And when the Word begins to work in us, and we need to read the Word really quietly, you know, not rush, not just fill our mind, but let that Word penetrate our hearts. So today when I read Romans 9, you know, and Paul begins by, I wish I would be accursed for Israel that they might be saved. And I was struck by those words of love out of his heart that he loved Israel so much. He was saying, Lord, remove me from the book. Save them. Then he begins to talk about Israel in chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. And then he goes from chapter 12 and on talking to the church about our own conditions, you know. And by the time I was done, I was like, you could not have shaken me if a, if a, an earthquake took place. I was just completely at rest. And then things begin to happen. What Isaiah 57 verse 10 says happened to me just not long ago today. Thou art wearied in the greatness of thy ways. Yet, saidest thou not, there is no hope. Thou hast found the life of thine hand, therefore thou was not grieved. So here is an individual who is working so hard to find God, he is wearing himself out. You are wearied in the greatness of your way. You just, you know, it's like people who fast and pray and beg and shout. And God is nowhere there because it's all flesh. There's no word doing it because they're trying to do it. You know, when, when people go to a prayer meeting, I've been there with them and it's so noisy. I've had to walk out a few times and say, well, this is not really a prayer meeting. This is just a, a shouting match. A true, true prayer is, is born by the word of God. You really want to find God's presence? Let the Word bring you there. Let the Word do it. So here is what it says, Thou art wearied in, thy, in the greatness of, of your way. And you're not saying there's no hope in this. Like, you know, I'm trying all this, whatever, but I'm not finding the Lord. There's no hope. Because you found the life of your hand. You're trying to do it with the hand of the flesh, in other words. And yet you're not, you're not even grieved that you're not finding God so how do you find him? Not by the life of your hand, not by wearing yourself out in quietness, which is produced by the word of God. And when that happens, now, 
Hosea. I love this. And I love what I'm hearing. It's almost like the songs I'm listening to are the exact thing I'm saying to you. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm almost wanting to sing the song, but, ah, help of the helpless. Abide with me. The hymn, abide with me. Abide with me. Wow. So he says in this beautiful verse, ah, oh, this is precious. I'm reading Hosea chapter 2. So precious. And in solitude is when we find the Lord. And this is what God had to do with Israel. So he says, I will have mercy upon her children. Wow. And Zechariah, because God talks about the fact that he will bring Israel into the wilderness, into into the desert. And, you know, I don't have time to read every word there because I want to put as much in as I can. But I love this one. Be silent, Zechariah 2, verse 13. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord. For he's raised up out of his holy habitation. And suddenly this amazing quietness brings us into union. And the second we come into union, we experience this. Psalm 59, verse 9. Because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. So, the word brings us to quietness. Quietness brings the flesh under submission. Because in quietness we find strength. Remember, they that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. So because of his strength now, I'm waiting. And this waiting happens, literally I mean, when you read the word, you just kind of take a pause. As the word is literally filling your soul. You know, this morning, I'm reading the word. And just, I went into this depth. And suddenly this quietness took over my soul. That I wasn't even able to keep reading. I just went into communion with the Lord. Because you cannot, uh, how shall I say it? When you get deeper, things in the spirit slow down. I, I'm not sure if I can explain that part. I'll try. When you begin receiving the word and it quiets you down and now the flesh submits where the flesh is not interrupting the flow of God in you. The flow of God in you um, kind of slows down. It's a deeper flow. It's a deeper uh, experience where every word now matters. I was reading 
experiencing the, de- the depth of Jesus Christ by Guillaume a few weeks ago. And that's what she talks about, that you can't rush in the presence of God. Because the Word brings you into the presence. And now the presence takes over the Word. I don't know if I can say it any better. The Word brings you into the presence, and the presence kind of takes you into the Word in a deeper dimension. Because at first... It's mental. When quietness takes over and the flesh submits, it becomes spiritual reading. Not mental reading. You're not reading the Bible anymore. You are living the Bible. You are... Oh, I don't think there's an English word for it. Or any, in any language. You begin experiencing the word. You begin getting into the Word. And I don't mean mentally in. And this is where God takes over. This is where we begin uh, experiencing the pulling in power of the Holy Spirit. I've, I've got to say that again because I, you know, it's, it's hard to put into words spiritual realities. Jesus said in John 6, 44, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him. It's a pulling in. It's a drawing in. Quietness that brings submission to the flesh. The second the flesh is submitted by the part of the word that has now brought silence, you are pulled into a whole different dimension of prayer or waiting upon the Lord. But it's a different world. It's not mental anymore. You actually are led uh, into the presence. You're not, you're not on your own anymore. You are pulled in. All right. Not one of us can walk in. We are drawn in. Is that making sense, Chad? Like, you know, when, when, when I began today, I entered, but I, I came to a place where God no longer wanted me to use my own abilities to get in. He began pulling me in. And when God pulls you in, he pulls you at his speed, not your speed. Is that making sense to you, sweet people? Because that's the only way I can say it. And you feel like you are on a... You know those things when we go to the airport and we, do, and we don't want to walk? We, we go on that belt thing that, that takes you? It's just like that. But God's belt moves a lot slower than our feet. Ah. <sighs> I, I, I'm trying to explain something that is so difficult to explain. Because, huh? Our efforts, Our efforts become cheap, become useless. Yeah, exactly. So, because he's been there too. Our efforts, you know, like I just said from Isaiah, you, you, you've wearied yourself in your own effort. Self-effort is swallowed up by the presence of God. 
Self-effort comes to a place of stillness. You can't even think about using self-effort. So, this is, I think this is where, oh dear God. Ah, I, I don't know if I can share this part. I, I, I don't know if I can, but I'll try. You know, I have communion. And right before I had communion today in prayer, all I can tell is I saw blood. I, I, I couldn't get away from seeing the blood of the Lord. Maybe, maybe that's what Paul meant by the fellowship of his suffering. I don't know. Because in, in, in Philippians 3, he talks about how sufferings begin. And I think the presence of God, the first place he takes us to is the sufferings of the cross. I don't know why. It's not something we, where you walk into the fellowship of joy or that comes later. But the sufferings of the cross, I think, is the first station of the presence of God. Because I don't think we can enter. I, I don't think God brings us any closer to himself till we experience the power of the blood of Jesus. And it says so in Hebrews, it says we come through the blood through a new living way. And I think people think when, when the Bible says that, that we come through some natural ability, you know, where we're applying it, you know, we're applying the blood to enter in. I don't think that means that at all. I think God himself, if I can say it, God himself in the spirit brings us the revelation of the blood. And now we enter in through a revelation rather than through mentally saying, I apply the blood, I cleanse me by the blood, because all that is flesh. It's the flesh saying it. I I pray I am explaining that to you. And maybe, you know, maybe you've been there already. I pray that you have. But I had an experience today that was, I don't think I've had such a such an experience in a while. And often I see when I'm in prayer, I, I've never talked about that. I see the Lord's head bleeding in prayer often. I just see like the crucifixion. I see the crown of thorns on his precious head. I close my eyes and I can see it. I can even see it now. But today I just saw a lot of blood. I saw his face drenched in blood. I, I cannot deny I saw that. And I was quite amazed in that beauty, in that quietness. God revealed the sufferings of the Son. And I think that's maybe what Paul meant in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the part of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And I think in that moment, we all surrender to the Lord's death. We, we die to self. We die to the world. We die to the things we want. We begin to cry out from within without saying anything, without even speaking it. We begin to cry out for deliverance, 
from this corruption, this body, and even the world around us. So, ah, uh, you know, I've always wondered why, you know, and there's a reason I think for it. Why did God ask Abraham to take Isaac to Moriah? It was, yes, of course, it was the revelation of the cross, no doubt. But I think God also in that wanted to remove Isaac from the heart of Abraham. That he might remain unchallenged. The minute our hearts are filled with the world, the only way to be free from that is coming into the presence of God. And when the, when the presence of God becomes reality, we have to give up our Isaac. We have to say, I let him go. Because God will not, will not, uh, allow us to challenge him with an Isaac in our hearts. He wants us to be free from those things that become an Isaac to us. So, frankly, um, <laughs> the Lord did not really want to kill Isaac. He wanted to kill Abraham. Did you hear what I said? The Lord did not want to see Isaac die. He wanted to see Abraham die. So in giving up Isaac, Abraham died. And when he died... What did God say to him? Now, your seed will possess the gates of the enemy. And he gave him the promise of the Messiah coming the second he died. Wow. So I'm going to say it again. The Lord did not want to see Isaac die. He wanted to see Abraham die. When did, when did Abraham die? When he surrendered Isaac. At that moment, he died. And when he died, God gave, gave him back Isaac. Right? Now, another de uh, depth now happens. Another depth happens. And that's mentioned. And I'm talking about that. That uh, what, what, what do we call that thing at the airport that pulls us in? The a belt, yeah. So now we, we, when we come deeper and God is pulling us on his own belt, you know, like the, in, in the airports, we go into a deeper um, place. And I think it's a deeper death than the one we just saw with Abraham. Because Abraham surrendered at that moment, you know. So in Luke 14... And verse 26, and I'm not going to be long today, but I just want you to understand all this. If any man come to me and hate not his father, mother, wife, children, brother, and sisters in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's a, that's a deeper depth that brings a deeper death. Where suddenly, not, all, not only are we delivered from the from that Isaac we want, whatever that Isaac may be in our life, but now God goes deeper to say, give up mommy, give up daddy, give up children, give up brothers and sisters, and give up your own life. And then you'll be mine. 
That's a deeper depth and a deeper death. Where Jesus becomes supreme, one and only in our hearts and lives. St. Augustine said, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. May I read that again? Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. So as we experience death, that's when we experience the presence of the Lord. If you really want me to be blunt with you, that's exactly what God's word says. Death brings the presence. Death to self, to the flesh, to the world, and to our families. Now we're, we're, the presence of God is so, so real, so precious. And, and we enter into, into depths not revealed before, not known to us before. So it's like the deep things of God, you know, 1 Corinthians 2.10 talks about. And now, to our amazement, uh, silence, that silence that began, begins to rule. So, it brings us into silence, and now silence becomes the presence. There are, I hope I said that right. So, silence brings us into the presence, and the presence becomes silence, and silence becomes the presence. Because it's a presence of silence. And God talks to the Spirit. So God says, notice when the Lord said in, in the Psalms, be still a, and know I am God. What did he say later? I will be exalted. So God is exalted in the earth. God begins to use you as you enter into depth to affect the world. So he says, be still and know I am God. And then he says, I will be exalted in the earth. Meaning that those who experience God like that end up being used by God to touch the world. If you really want to touch the world, find that blessed place of silence. So, and it's really, it's the, it's the result of abundance. You know, I've said many times, there's two reasons for silence. Or someone has nothing to say, or he's got so much to say, he can't say it. When you're in the presence of God, it's silence because abundance is, is there and there, there's no way you can describe it. So there's, there's two kinds of silence, mental, spiritual. Mental silence, you have nothing, uh, uh, sorry, mental silence is, is, you have nothing to say mentally. But spiritual silence is you're so full, you can't talk. That's the presence of God. So self-effort is swallowed up in the blessed presence of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch everyone now, Lord. Minister your word, your grace, your presence. Ah, how blessed as I just began to pray. What What is the music playing? Spirit of God, fall fresh on me. Melt me. 
mold me, fill me, use me. Lord, every one of them now, do that in their life. In the name of Jesus, precious Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on everyone right now as they whisper the name Jesus. Give you praise. I give you praise. Touch your people. Anoint your people. Release a fresh breath on them and a new place in them and for them. In Jesus' name. Oh, amen. I don't think I've ever had such a, a moment with you like this anyways. It's been precious. I didn't expect it. I pray you've been blessed too. It's time now to give to the Lord's work. Out of love, let's, let's sow that seed. Out of gratitude, let's sow that seed. Out of a heart full of love for Him, let's give to the Lord's work. For He said, give. It shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give to your bosom. And I pray and I declare today, your needs are met. Every financial need is met. I agree with you in the sweet name of Jesus. Every need, every financial need is met. That that sorrow in your heart will go because of it. That trouble will leave your life. You'll have peace about it. In the name of Jesus. And all other needs, Lord. Meet all other needs. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I tell you, I think the presence of God, once you come into it, it's going to take care of everything. So, but go ahead now and give to the Lord's work. The information is on the screen. Uh, you give to Benihin Ministries, you can go to our website, benihinministries.org, or you can just simply text BHM45777. Thank you, Lord. What a precious Jesus. Bye-bye.